Well, as I say, um, I have to confess that um, Mothering Sunday is not my favourite day in the church's calendar. I guess that's because I was brought up in a household with, well, my, some of you met my parents last week, uh, say, well, actually, we don't believe in, well, my dad particularly was there, I don't believe in Father's Day, every day should be Father's Day, which is true, <clears throat> you know, um, I, I guess that's part of it. But, but also, because I realise that it's, it's, it's a difficult concept for, for many, many people. But I wonder if you agree with me on this, that um, it's relevant because mums are often expected to do everything. Is that right? Multitasking. <clears throat> Finance, um, you know, cook the meals, make sure the house is... Everything. And go out and work full-time and bring up the children. And, um, you know, I, it is true, um, actually, I think, that in many cases, an expectation is that mum can do everything. Um, now, I've been interviewing newly accredited ministers this week, uh, four of them, uh, all very fine... Uh, uh, young people, well, not all, not all that young, actually, but fine uh, ministers um, that uh, are in their first three years of ministry, and therefore they have to go through a, a process to just to encourage them and support them and make sure that they're, they're coping well. And um, I've got another four to do next week, actually. There's, there's, there's a lot, which is good. Lots of new, newly accredited ministers in our area. We do need people to go, uh, who are called to go into, into this into ministry. Um, having said that, we also need people who are Christians to be called in their workplace, uh, whatever that is. You know, not, it's not a higher calling. It's, and we'll come back to that in a minute. It's a particular calling. Um, but what, I, what may be sad, um, and I won't tell you who these people are or where the church is, but some of them, it, more, more, than, more than one of them, were certainly in situations where the expectations of the church were that the minister can do everything. Um, and uh, those of you who, who, who've got, uh, who, who know anything about ministry, you know, there are expectations, you know, that, that the minister should be uh, very experienced, uh, but yet under 25. They should have a family uh, of 2.4 children and yet have lots of spare time. Uh, they should visit all the sick. They should spend hours in preparation for their sermons. They should be there on the dot in an emergency. They should be available. Or, you know, there are people who put all these expectations on and actually we all fall short of those expectations. Is that right? Because, well, I'll just... To lay it on the line now. Uh, I, I'm human. I cannot possibly meet them. So <laughs> if you're disappointed with me, that's, that's fine. Just come and tell me which area, and then I'll, 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 I'm happy to have a conversation with you. But people, we do put expectations on people that they can do everything. So I thought that today um, we would actually look at a theology of everything. Okay, so if we can have the first slide. Uh, a theology of everything. And in the passage that, uh, that Ben read to us, uh, if you've got that passage open, Colossians chapter 1, uh, you will see that on more than one occasion, a little expression occurs. All things. All things. Perhaps you can have a look and see how many times in, that, in Colossians chapter 1 the word all things occurs. It's quite a few. All things. And... Um, in this passage, you will note that um, 
one of the things it talks about about Jesus. This is a passage about Jesus. I've preached on it several times already since I've been here, and I don't apologise for preaching on the same passage more than once. This is the most incredible passage, uh, I think, in, in the whole New Testament. I, uh, well, I, I think it's got so much in it we can, uh, we can have a look at. Um, now, one of the things it says about Jesus... Uh, we, oh, it's on now, is it? Oh, yes. He created all things which reminds us that uh, right at the very beginning of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, that is all things, isn't it? <laughs> if it's in heaven and it's on earth, then basically uh, all things were created by God, which we know about. But actually, in this passage, more specifically, it says, it says, ah, there we go. By him... By which I mean by Jesus, all things were created. This Jesus that we come to worship, this Jesus hanging on a cross, riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, it's by this Jesus that all things were created. And um, I thought what we'd do today just is, is to have a look at exactly what that might mean. Why is it not working, Steve? Oh, there we go. Um, oh, well done. Good man. Uh, all things, the, the Greek word, here we are, I'm going to show off, I've looked in a commentary, no, um, panta, panta, and you, you might find quite a few other words have bits of Greek in them, panta means all things, and it's this word that is used quite a lot in this passage. But what does all things mean? Well, um, let's, it, it, it actually does spell it out a bit, all things, heaven and earth, all things in heaven and earth, right? All things visible and invisible. So everything you can see is being made by Jesus. Uh, just look around if you've got eyes. Okay, and the things you can't see, the radio waves that are whizzing through this air, uh, you know, and, and the, the mobile phone signals and things like that that you can't see. All things created by Jesus. Thrones, powers, rulers and authorities... That's governments, all things created by Jesus. The spiritual realm, there, there are things going on in the realm which we can't see. And uh, as, you, as you know, this week um, uh, we, we, we lost our dog. And, and you will know that if you have a dog, they are aware of a whole universe that you are not. They go along... <laughs> They're picking up smells and they're picking up things that you've got no idea about. And they're aware of them. And actually, our dog could used to see uh, another dog from 100 yards away and he'd know whether he liked it or not. He picked up a vibe, you know? So, all things God has created. Now, I wonder if we were to put those things into an order, what they might look like. Let's see if we can do this, Steve. Right, so first of all, let's put, let's put up uh, God, shall we? Okay, we start with God. Now, if we were to put all the things that God has created in some kind of rank order, what would come just below God? Hmm? Uh, no, um, no. Angels. Who said angels? Yeah, uh, just below him are the angels and the spiritual authorities. Yeah, okay, the spiritual beings. Uh, who comes next? A little lower than the angels. Human beings, right? Okay. And what comes next down in the ranking? 
animals, yeah, the rest of creation. And there's one more thing. Well, I kind of lumping together animals as life, okay, everything that has life. And then there's a whole load of the universe that doesn't have life. Uh, and so the inanimate part of the universe. Would you agree that roughly would be uh, where, where, how, how the, the kind of order in which things rank? Okay, reasonably happy with that? Okay, now some people say, actually, that within a human being there are two parts. There is the soul and the body. I don't know, would you agree with that? Okay, I'll, I'll come back to you in a minute. Okay, if you do, there's two more things come up, Steve, please. If you say that human beings are made of soul and body, now what some people then do is they look at this picture and they say, ah, right, that means that uh, the created order is divided in two. Yeah, click... Click, yeah, you've got the top bits which are spiritual and the bottom bits which are physical or material. Would you agree with that? Sort of agree with that? Well, actually, that is the gospel according to Plato. One more. Yeah, a lot of people believe that, and you probably believe that, but actually, that is not necessarily a biblical idea. That is, the, Plato, who lived about 300 years before Jesus, a Greek philosopher, uh, that was his kind of philosophy, that everything is divided into the spiritual, the invisible, and the physical, the visible. Okay, let's have a look at it again from a biblical point of view. The Bible says, yeah, God, below him the angels, human beings, animals, and inanimate the whole of creation, all things. Actually, the Bible doesn't divide it there. The Bible divides it here. Uh, and one more. God, and the top, there's quite a few clicks here, Steve, yeah. creator and creation. That's where the divide is. It's between the creation and the creator. God created all things, whether they are thrones or rulers or powers or invisible or invisible on the earth, in heaven, all things created by Jesus and for him. And so if we bring the next little, next little click in, Steve, we will see that Jesus performs a very, very important function because Jesus bridges the gap between the creator and the creation. He is God in all his fullness, but he is also the word become flesh. He, he is God with meat. He had real body, which bled when it was cut. Jesus is the one who bridges between the creator and the creation. That's where the divide is. The unbridgeable divide has been bridged by Jesus. Do we say amen to that? So isn't it interesting, although, yeah, there are spiritual things and material things, if you divide them up, you're running into a very dangerous, you're running into a very dangerous um, issue. You can divide the secular from the sacred. You can say, what I do on Sunday is spiritual. That is good. What I do in my work as a dustman or an accountant or whatever I do is not important. That's kind of physical work. That's... Actually, God doesn't view you like that. Everything that we do, all things belong to him and all things are, are good. So that's what I wanted to, uh, to say. Now, it says here that Jesus created all things. Let's have a let's just move to the next one. We'll leave that picture behind. So the first thing I want to say in this Colossians passage is all things were created by Jesus. One more click, Steve, please. 
Oh, one more. Yeah. Jesus created all things. We've established that. When we say he created all things, what do we mean? Well, thinking about from the beginning, he created the laws of physics. Before anything came into being, the laws of physics, of gravity, and uh, all that is defined so that our universe works. So if anyone studies physics, all of those kind of laws created by God. Then he created, this is, you can say I'm, I'm biased as a, as a physics trained person, then he created chemistry. The laws of chemistry, how all the bits of the universe, the, the, the bits of electrons and protons and stuff came together to form specific elements of which we are made, 92. He created all things. Uh, the next thing, he created the laws of biology. How do we work? What is life? How does DNA work? God created all things. And it says here, in him all things hold together. This universe works because the breath of Jesus keeps it all working. What happens if Jesus stops breathing? He won't. But if he stops holding it together, it won't hold together. I kind of, yeah, sorry to go back to this, but, you know, looking at my little dog as, you know, the vet put his injection in, um, he was just laying there, and just one minute he was alive, one minute he was, he looked the same, but he wasn't there. You know? The universe works because Jesus holds it all together. Amen. Isn't that great? One day, one day, uh, then that may be different, but at the moment it holds together because... uh, Jesus holds it together. It says in Hebrews, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That's what Jesus does. There are several passages in the New Testament that talk about who Jesus is, and that's who he is. He is the creator, he's the sustainer of the universe, but all things have rebelled against him, have they not? The laws, the powers, the rulers, the authorities, uh, you know, um, the mosquitoes. Mm. Yeah, if we say God created all things, we have to say he created all things. We can't pick and choose which ones he created and which ones he didn't. All things. Uh, And so Paul talks here about the dominion of darkness. Out of light, out of darkness came light, but the dominion of darkness has its hold. And therefore he has rescued us he says that once we were alienated from God, you remember the, the, the picture of God and the creation, that we were alienated because of our evil behaviour, but now he has rescued us and brought us back into the kingdom of light. That is, uh, this is just so exciting. I don't know about you, but I do, I do get excited by theology because it's words about God. Yeah. But, we've fallen away. But the good news is that Jesus, if you look down Colossians Uh, One, not only has he created all things, but he has also, Steve, you're trying, wow, spot on cue, reconciled all things to himself. He has reconciled all of these things that have fallen away, he has reconciled them to himself. How could he do that? Only, only because he is the creator, 
only because he gave up his life and stretched out his arms and was nailed to the piece of wood that he created using the metal nails that he created. That's astonishing, isn't it? That is the only way in which the universe could be reconciled to God by God himself becoming one of us. Only the creator could pay the price for reconciliation and redemption to bring peace between creation and the creator. That's why Jesus bridges the gap. You've often heard the talks about the cross covering the gap between sin and God, and us and God, haven't you? But there's another key verse, I think, which, in the Bible, which I'd like just to draw your attention to. It's John 12, 32. Perhaps if you've got a Bible, you could look up John 12, 32. It says, and I, when I am lifted up, I will draw... Now, I'll just say what it says in the NIV. All men to myself. Is that what it says? Has anyone got a different version in their Bible? All, all things. Which, which Bible have you got? Right, okay. If in the RSV, it might say all things. Now, shall I tell you a little secret? Now, uh, first of all, um, when it says... Jesus says, I will draw all men to himself. He is not sexist. He doesn't mean he has come to rescue men and not women. Obviously. Let's, let's face it. I mean, there is some language in, in the Bible which seems that God is only interested in men. But, it, but he's not. It, we know, so in an in a inclusive translation, it might say all people. But actually, it doesn't say that. Now, has anyone got the King James Version? Because if you have, if you look very carefully, the word men is in italics. Ah. And if, if a word is in italics in the King James Version, it doesn't mean it's to be emphasised, it means it's there because that word isn't there in the original. And of all the Greek manuscripts for the New Testament, uh, they use, there are different ones, and some of them are slightly different. But the very earliest and most reliable version of John's Gospel uses the word panta, which means all things, instead of pantas, which means all men. So when Jesus is lifted up on the cross, he said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all things to myself. Jesus is lifted up on the cross, not just to restore people to some kind of disembodied, uh, existence floating around on clouds with harps in heaven. He is on the cross, his blood is poured out onto the earth to draw all things to himself. Now, uh, how can he do that? Well, have a look at this picture. If anyone's seen uh, the film The Passion of the Christ, uh, it's a very hard film to watch. It's a very uh, violent film, but of course, Jesus' death was violent. We can't just sanctify it and make nice pictures of Jesus with nicely combed hair. On you know, it just wasn't like that, was it? Uh, so it, it is a it is a a, a tough film. But um, you know, the, the the filmmaker Mel Gibson, who was the director of this film, um, is a, a very staunch Catholic, and he'd actually researched a lot of theology. So although the film largely follows biblical wording and, and, and biblical uh, text, 
he has brought in some theology. Because as Jesus is coming along the road uh, carrying his cross, you know it tells us in the Bible he stumbled. Uh, and um, there in the crowd he saw his mother. Yeah, His mother was watching him. And, um, well, when in the film... What, what happens is Mel Gibson kind of uses some imagination here. And as Jesus stumbles, he looks and he sees his mother in the crowd. Now, we don't know exactly if that happened like that. In this film, Jesus then imagines a time when he was young, a boy, and he fell over and he grazed his knee. And he remembers his mum coming to pick him up and cuddle him. He flashed back in his imagination. Now, his mother looks at Jesus, all covered in blood, struggling under the cross. And Jesus looks to his mum and he says, See, mother, how I make all things new. Now, Jesus didn't say that in the Gospel. But actually, that is biblical, isn't it? Because where does that come from? Mike Mike will tell us, because Mike's doing a whole series on Revelation. In Revelation 21, it says, See, I am making all things new. Now, that wasn't actually the words of Jesus on the way to the cross, but it is the words of the risen Jesus. So Mel Gibson has very cleverly built some theology into his film to say, when Jesus was struggling on the road with this heavy cross, he was in the process of making all things new. That's how I'm doing it, Mum. It wasn't the way that you imagined, although you might have remembered that when I was born, you were warned by Simeon that actually a sword would pierce your heart. And being a mum to the Son of God was not going to be an easy ride. But here he is, stumbling on that road, I'm making all things new. And um, God has entered his suffering world. And that's the heart of what we believe. Um, God enters our world. Jesus is reconciling all things. He is also, there's one more, Stephen, I think you can have a rest then. No, there's one more. Uh, That's it. Um, He is renewing all things. He created all things. He has reconciled all things by his blood on the cross. And one day he will renew all things. But I want you to look very carefully at this. Because we live in a throwaway society. When something's worn out, we chuck it away. You know, you go to the shop, that's not worth repairing that. You might as well buy a new one. And we project that onto God. But God does not throw away broken things. He does not throw away you and me. We were broken. He restores and reconciles. That's the way God works. Um, And so Jesus is in the process of making all things new. Now, uh, just looking behind me... um, down here, Wendy's got a flute stand. And it reminded me, in my previous church, there was a lady called Claire that played the flute. And on one occasion, me with my big feet, I, I, I accidentally kicked it and broke this flute stand. It wasn't a nice wooden one like Wendy's, it was a plastic one. But, oh no, what am I going to do? So I took it home, and I, I thought, how can I repair it? Actually, I discovered that if I drilled down the middle of this plastic rod a six millimetre hole and stuck in a steel rod and then put it back together with epoxy, it would actually be better than it was before. So that's what I did. I repaired it and it's strong now and I gave it back to her and said I apologised. I I made it new. I made it better. That's the way God thinks. 
He does not throw away things that are broken. He restores and he repairs them. And that's interesting as well, because when we look at that phrase, see how I make all things new, those of you who know anything about Greek will know there are two words for new. One of them is neos, which means brand spanking new, and the other one is kainos, which means renewed, refreshed, regenerated. And it's that one. In fact, whenever Jesus says, I'm a, you are a new creation, it's always that kainos word. It's that word that means uh, made new, made fresh, rather than get a new one, you know? Um, and so, what's happening? Jesus is renewing all things. He is making all things fresh. He is not making all new things. <laughs> the things in the new creation will be the things from the old, but made new. Isn't that great? And he's going to bring all things. Uh, now, the key, is this pie in the sky, or am I just, you know, is this lorry being pontificating? One more, one more click, Steve. There's the clue. Can you see what that is? It's the inside of the empty tomb. How can it all be possible? Because Jesus' physical body was broken, emptied of blood, bruised, battered, cut, and left in an empty tomb. Where under normal course of the, the laws of the universe, it would have rotted away until it became dust, like you or me. But actually, on the Easter morning, he rose again. That's where the hope comes from. Was it a new body that he had? No. It was the old one. It had scars in the hands. Yeah? Um, And yet it was radically new. He was no longer bound by doors and walls. It was radically new. He is making all things kainos new. Um, that's good news. And it's not just good news for people. Look at the end of this passage. This is the gospel that you heard, says Jesus, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Does that mean I'm going to start preaching to dogs? But actually, what it means is the gospel is good news for the redemption of all things. So let's get rid of this whole idea that Jesus is about spiritual things and that, as Plato would thought, that, that physical things don't matter. Because that leads us to all sorts of bad things. That actually I will just preach the gospel to those people, but the fact they're starving doesn't mean I need to give them bread. If I give them the gospel, they'll be okay. Nonsense. Their physical needs and their spiritual needs go together, do they not? The gospel is of all good things. Uh, It is about all things created by God, reconciled by Jesus, and being renewed. And so we need to take up the theology of the the old hymn writer, really. Fill thou my life, O Lord, my God, in every part with praise, that my whole being may proclaim thy being and thy ways. We need to be holistic Christians. We need to be people who work with Jesus in his mission of redeeming creation. And that can be done in lots of different ways. And I'll leave God to speak to you by his spirit.